Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, take your Bible. Go with me to Genesis chapter 27. That's going to be where we start. And we're going to go all the way from 27 through 34. All right, so as I said, an extended passage this morning as we uh, cover the, the life of Jacob. Uh, another important character in, in the Old Testament, certainly in the, in the book of Genesis, throughout the rest of the Old Testament, and even into the New Testament. Because um, as, we've, as we've talked about the last few weeks, um, God, through, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God gained a new name. He became known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we see that even a couple of thousand years later into uh, the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus, where, where Jesus refers to uh, God is God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. It's God the Father. And, and so, uh, as you're turning there to Genesis 27, let's just recap. We talked about creation. Uh, we talked about how God is the author of creation, and as the author, he gets to set the rules. We talked about Adam and Eve, and we looked at their lives and learned about God's plan for our relationship with him. It's plan for our relationship for, with, with one another. God's plan for marriage, so much that we see in, in Genesis 1 and 2 about how God designed the world to operate. And, and we see that it actually operated that, that way for a little while until um, Adam and Eve decided to, to go their own way. That, that, they were, that, that they knew better than God, which almost never ends well, right? Can't even say almost, like never ends well. Okay? And uh, through that, sin entered the world and, and separated mankind from, from God. And we saw that in Genesis 3 in the fall where everything came unglued. And then uh, since then, we've really been dealing with the effects of the fall. And so much chaos, as, as, we've, as we've titled this, this message, right? Characters in chaos. We, we see so much chaos happening even in the lives of these people that are revered as, as saints throughout uh, the Bible. And we see that, that it's not really their power. It's not because they were so good that God worked in them, but because God was so good that he works in and through messed up people. We've said repeatedly that, that that's good news for us because if God works through messed up people, that means that you and I might just have the opportunity to have God work through us in powerful ways. If God only worked through perfect people, I'm definitely out and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you are too. All right? I mean, I know some of you, right? <laughs> so I'm just, just going to go out on a limb and say that that eliminates all of us. In the last few weeks, we, we've really dove into the lives of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and how out of these people, beginning with, with a pagan man by the name of Abram, whom God called out of uh, his land, and to whom God made a great promise and said, uh, through you, your, your descendants are going to be as many as, as the stars in the sky. And through you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. We've seen God, just as we sang while ago, he is faithful to his promise. And despite, oftentimes, people's best efforts, we never walk alone. We'll see that especially this morning as, as Jacob uh, really does his best to mess up his life and does a, honestly a pretty decent job at it. 
And we see God telling him, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you because of his promise. And so as we dive in this morning, I want us to, to turn to chapter 27. And to, to begin, I'm going to read all of chapter 27, okay? Now, this is an extended passage, obviously. I think there's 46 verses here. So, uh, so I'm not going to ask you to stand because I know that for, for some of us that's very difficult. So uh, just follow along with me, all right, through Genesis 27 as we're introduced to this uh, to, to Jacob and, and the life that he begins to lead. Starting in Genesis chapter 27, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, and this is what it says. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could not see, he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. Isaac said, Look, I am old and do not know the day of my death, so now take your hunting gear, your quiver, and your bow, and go out in the field to hunt some game for me. Then make me a delicious meal that I may love, or that I love, and bring it to me so that I can bless you before you die. Now Rebekah was listening to what Isaac said to his son Esau. So while Esau went to the field to hunt some game to bring in, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Listen, I heard your father talking with your brother Esau. He said, Bring me game and make me a delicious meal for me to eat so that I can bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me and do what I tell you. Go to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, and I will make them into a delicious meal for your father, the kind he loves. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Jacob answered Rebekah, his mother, Look at my brother Esau. He is a hairy man, but I am a man with smooth skin. Suppose my father touches me. Then I will be revealed to him as a deceiver and bring a curse rather than a blessing on myself. His mother said to him, your curse be on me, my son. Just obey me and go get them for me. So he went and got the goats and brought them to his mother, and his mother made the delicious food his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of her older son Esau, which were in the house, and had her younger son Jacob wear them. She put the skins of the young goats on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the delicious food and the bread she had made to her son Jacob. When he came to his father, he said, my father... And he answered, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob replied to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of the game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How did you ever find it so quickly, my son? He replied, Because the Lord your God made it happen for me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come closer so I can touch you, my son. Are you really my son Esau or not? So Jacob came closer to his father Isaac. When he touched him, he said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Again he asked, Are you really my son Esau? And he replied, I am. Then he said, Bring it closer to me and let me eat some of my son's game so that I can bless you. Jacob brought it closer to him and he ate. He brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, please come closer and kiss me, my son. So he came closer and kissed him. When Isaac smelled his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give to you from the dew of the sky and from the richness of the land an abundance of grain and new wine. May peoples serve you and nations bow and worship to you. Be over your relatives. Be master over your relatives. May your mother's sons bow and worship to you. 
Those who curse you will be cursed, and those who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had left the presence of his father Isaac, his brother Esau arrived from his hunting. He had also made some delicious food and brought it to his father. He said to his father, let my father get up and eat some of his son's game so that you may bless me. But his father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I am Esau, your firstborn son. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. Who was it then, he said, who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it all before you came in and I blessed him. Indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he cried out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, my father. But he replied, Your brother, has, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. So he said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me twice now. He took my birthright, and look, now he has taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you saved a blessing for me? But Isaac answered Esau, Look, I have made him a master over you have given him all of his relatives as his servants and have sustained him with grain and new wine. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And Esau wept loudly. His father Isaac answered him, Look, your dwelling place will be away from the richness of the land, away from the dew of the sky above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you rebel, you will break his yoke from your neck. Stop there and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. And I thank you for the life of Jacob, even as we see some major character flaws in his life. That you still used him. You showed grace and you showed mercy to him. May we see this morning that you are a God who is gracious and long-suffering and slow to anger and who is merciful toward us and a God who works powerfully through messed up people. May we rejoice in that fact this morning. May it give us hope. May we live lives of gratitude because of the grace that you've shown to us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, now as I said, you can see some pretty serious character flaws here in Jacob's life, right? For, for one, we, we see him all out deceiving his father, and, and not just once. Multiple times, right? He, he keeps being asked, are, are you really Esau? Like he had multiple uh, opportunities there to fess up and say, no, I'm sorry, I've, I've made a terrible mistake. And he never does that, right? Multiple times. He even says, he even lies. And when, when, he's, when, Esau, or when Isaac asks him, how were you able to, to, to go out and gather food so quickly? You notice that in the middle of his lie, he says, well, it's because the Lord blessed me so much that I was able to do this quickly. There is a deep level of deception that's happening here, not just, not just from Jacob's end, but from his mother Rebekah's end as well. Now, we know this is not the first time that, that Jacob took something that belonged to Esau. In chapter 25, verses 27 through 34, Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for some stew 
Because we're told he was hungry after coming in from a long day hunting. So he already sold the right that he had as the oldest son to the inheritance. And now he steals the blessing that was Esau's as the firstborn. As we get into the end of chapter 27, what we see is a simple reminder that sin always has consequences. Right? Maybe we think we've gotten away with something, but there are always consequences. In this case, Esau becomes angry, as one might imagine. And we're told that he held a grudge against Jacob because Jacob stole his blessing. When, when this gets back to Rebekah, how angry Esau is, she, she tells Jacob, okay, I want, you to, I want you to run away. I want you to go stay with my, um, with my brother Laban in Haran. And in verse 44, she says, and stay with him for a few days until your brother's anger subsides. In other words, what Rebecca seems to be communicating here is, you know Esau, he has a tendency to overreact, right? He'll, he'll settle down in a few days and we'll laugh about all this. Hey, remember that time that I, you know, robbed you of your blessing? Man, that's good times, right? So Jacob flees, ends up as we see in going exactly where Rebecca suggested to her, father, her, her family, her brother's family in Haran. But in this case, he's not gone for just a few days. He's gone for over 20 years. And as far as the scriptural account goes, we, we never see Rebecca seeing her son again. Now keep in mind, this was her favorite son. And, and she and Isaac apparently had no qualms about making it known that they each had a favorite child. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But because of this sin, Jacob runs literally for his life, and Rebecca never sees her son again. Sin has consequences. This is, again, this is, this is like the prime family in the Old Testament, the, the, the family through whom Jesus Christ will eventually come. And we see them multiple times. Living lives that are horrendously ungodly, and God still being faithful to his promise. We get into chapter 28, and uh, we learn that um, Isaac himself had uh, counseled Jacob to go back to his, uh, his mother's family to, to find a wife because he didn't want them to marry any of the, uh, any of the women in their land, any of the Canaanite women. Well, Esau, who by this time is kind of put off with his father and his mother and his brother, um, decides that, that he's going to do something just to make his father angry. Maybe you've been there before. So he says, you know, uh, dad told Jacob not to marry a Canaanite woman. Here's what I'll do. I'll marry multiple Canaanite women. We see that in verses 8 and 9. And then Jacob flees Esau's wrath. He goes to his to the family of his mother's brother, Laban. And on the way, God speaks to him. 
This is where we have this, in, in chapter 28, starting in verse 10, we have this story of what's called Jacob's Ladder at, at this place called Bethel. Bethel, by the way, simply meaning house of God. That's where Jacob stops. And the Lord appears to him. Look at this promise in verse 15. Now keep in mind who God's speaking to. It's Jacob who just deceived his brother, just stole stole a blessing that was not his own. And in verse 15, the Lord says this, look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have promised or until I've done what I've promised you. Now at this point, so I put together a sermon and a sentence again, kind of the main point that we want to look at this morning. That's simply this. God's divine mercy is enough to overcome a pattern of deception and devastation in Jacob's life. God's divine mercy is enough, it's strong enough, it's big enough to overcome a pattern. Not just once, we'll see there's more that Jacob deceives and is deceived. But God's divine mercy is enough to overcome a pattern of deception and devastation in Jacob's life. And right here in Bethel, as Jacob is fleeing because of his decision, so as he's experiencing these consequences of his actions, meaning he's having to run for his life from his brother, who at this point is still angry enough to murder him, he stops and the Lord appears to him and makes... This promise, I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Now now listen, if you've ever noticed a pattern in your life of, whether before you were a believer or since you've been a believer, if you're still kind of on that ball, I don't really know what I believe or if I believe, I'm not not sure about this whole Jesus thing. Maybe there's, there's been some times in your life where you've wondered whether or not God has abandoned you. Because of circumstances in life. Because of things that have happened to you. Maybe because of some things that you've done. Maybe you just think, man, that must be the last straw. Like, I'm not sure God could ever forgive me. I'm not sure he's still with me. Let this be an encouragement to you. That God promised Jacob, I will not leave you. I'm with you, and I will not leave you. You know, what's interesting is later on, uh, King David would recognize this same thing. King David, who uh, was called a man after God's own heart by, uh, in, in, in Scripture, as a man who in his heart sought God and yet had, again, pretty glaring character issues. The biggest one we, we know that is that he uh, committed adultery with, with a woman named Bathsheba and then had her husband killed to cover up his, his sin. Those are like two big ones, right? I mean, that's two of the top ten. That's a big deal. And yet in his own life, David realized that God had never left him. And in Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8, this is what he says, Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. In other words, he, David understood uh, there's nowhere 
nowhere I can go where the presence of the Lord is not there. And then in Matthew 28, in Jesus' last words to his disciples, he would give them this same promise. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, now listen, we see that this is true for folks like Jacob and folks like David, and this is certainly true for us. You will never leave the presence of God. He will not leave you. And if, if, we, if we walk out of here this morning remembering nothing else, that's, that, that would be the, the one thing that I, I pray you would remember. God will not leave you. He will not forsaken you. Hey, he has not yet, and we have this promise that he will not. So Jacob encounters God here at Bethel, and we, we, as far as we know, maybe there was something of a, of a personal revival, maybe some repentance in his life. I mean, he's still not going to go back to his brother Esau because... Esau is still set on killing him as far as we know. And uh, so Jacob continues his journey to Haran, to the family of Laban. And there he meets Rachel. And he's smitten by her, right? So, I mean, we kind of get the idea he's out there in the field and sees her walk. And, you know, there's like love music playing and skies part. And that's, that's the idea here. When, when he sees Rachel, like, like I mean... Things stir up. He goes, wow, like this, 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 this woman's something special. So he asks Laban for her hand in marriage, and, and Laban tells Jacob that he has to work seven years for her. That's, that's the bride price, seven years. And, and in chapter 29, it, it, the Bible tells us that, that those seven years felt like a few days to Jacob because of his love for Rachel. Right? I mean, he's got it bad, all right? And then, but by the way, real, real quick, have you learned in your life that this, this principle that what goes around comes around? Have you experienced that at all? Well, listen, I, I'm not going to say that's, that's the judgment of God. I'm going to say it's just consequences of our actions, right? We, the, the biblical uh, term for that is you reap what you sow. So Jacob, who is a deceiver, ends up himself being deceived when he wakes up on the morning after his wedding and, and finds in bed next to him not Rachel, but her sister Leah, whom he does not love, whom he is not attracted to. So he goes out and finds Laban and says, what did you do to me? Laban says, well, you see, it's, it's not really our custom to, to, to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one, so, so here marry Leah and, and work for me another seven years, and then I'll let you marry Rachel. So Jacob does it. What we see is Leah begins having children, and, and Jacob makes no secret of the fact that he loves Rachel, Rachel while Scripture tells us that Leah was unloved or maybe more literally hated by Jacob. Now, let's not even get into the issue of multiple wives. We've talked about that before. But, but the fact that he makes no secret of this, uh, this one's my favorite. I do not care for this one. It's a mess. 
Then we get into chapter 30. And, and like, I don't even know what to do with this other than to just read it for you. Because this is, uh, this is like a comedy to me. Like, as I was reading it this week, I found myself just kind of pausing and laughing because it's so outrageous of what's happening here. So, so verses 1 through 24, I'm just going to read for us, all right? So follow along with me here. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she envied her sister. Give me sons or I will die, she said to Jacob. Jacob became angry with Rachel and said, Am I in God's place who has withheld offspring from you? Then she said, Here is my maid Bilhah. Go, in, go sleep with her and she'll bear children for me, so that through her I too can build a family. So Rachel gave her slave Bilhah to Jacob as a wife, and he slept with her. Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Rachel said, God has vindicated me. Yes, he has heard me and given me a son, so she named him Dan. Rachel's slave Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Rachel said, in my wrestlings with God, I have wrestled with my sister and won. She named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her slave Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's slave Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, what good fortune, and she named him Gad. When Leah's slave Zilpah bore Jacob a second son, Leah said, I am happy that the women call me happy. So she named him Asher. Reuben went out during the wheat harvest and found some mandrakes in the field. When he brought them to his mother, Leah, Rachel asked, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But Leah replied to, you, replied to her, isn't it enough that you've taken my husband? Now you also want to take my son's mandrakes? Well then, Rachel said, he can sleep with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field that evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come with me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So Jacob slept with her that night. God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my slave to my husband, and she named him Issachar. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. God has given me a good gift, Leah said. This time my husband will honor me because I have borne six sons for him, and she named him Zebulun. Later, Leah bore a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son, and she said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, may the Lord add another son to me. Now, there's so much going on here, right? Here, take my slave and have, a, have, a, have children with her. Oh, she, she gave him... Her slave. So here, take my slave. And here, I've hired you with my son's fruit, right? He brought in fruit. I've, I've hired you. You have to come with me. Um, now, you, you probably know this as well, but these sons that are being born later become the 12 tribes of Israel. Literally, the people of God come from this family. And, and this is crazy, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's so messed up what's happening here. And yet God's not done with his people. Eventually, their, their tribes become big enough that, that Jacob decides to separate from Laban. And Laban deceives Jacob again by, by taking some of his flock that he had promised to Jacob. And again, what we see, what, what goes around comes around. Jacob deceived his brother Esau, and then he is deceived twice by his 
father-in-law. So in chapter 31, Jacob organizes the secret exodus from Laban. Grabs his family and just takes off without, without saying anything. Laban pursues him and asks why Jacob took his daughters and his grandchildren away without giving him a chance to say goodbye. In the middle of that, we see that Rachel stole her father's idols, and then she lied to her father about it when he went to search. Jacob and Laban end up kind of making this covenant with one another. You know, they don't really like each other, but, but they can at least make this covenant to get along. And in the middle of this, in chapter 31, verse 3, again the Lord promises Jacob, I will be with you. Chapter 32, Jacob prepares to meet Esau for the first time. Now in this, in this time, over 20 years have passed. But Jacob's obviously still a little nervous about meeting Esau, so he sends these caravan of gifts to Esau to try to soften his heart. And while he's waiting, chapter 32 tells us that Jacob literally wrestled with an angel from the Lord. And the angel could not overcome Jacob. So they wrestled all night, beginning in uh, chapter 32, verse 24. So they wrestled all night. The angel ends up dislocating Jacob's hip. He said to Jacob, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Verse 27, what is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men, and have prevailed. The name Israel, by the way, means he struggles with God. And if you know anything about the history of Israel, that that name is pretty appropriate. Because they struggle with God throughout the rest of biblical history. The story of Israel is, is like these people who have the commands of God and know exactly what they're supposed to do, and yet they repeatedly don't do it. Does that sound familiar? And the story of God's grace to them. See, Jacob, in, in wrestling with God, was forced to deal with who he really was as a deceiver. And God blessed him, changed his name to Israel, which of course is the name through which we know God's people for the rest of the Old Testament. In chapter 33, Jacob finally meets Esau. For the first time in 20 years, since, since Jacob stole the blessing that belonged to Esau and then ran for his life, Jacob's afraid, and, and we might say for good reason, right? But we also see that God's been doing a work in Esau's heart because God softened his heart in the years that have passed since Jacob deceived him. And in chapter 33, verse 4, we're simply told this, but Esau ran to him, hugged him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Then they wept. There was reconciliation. God had blessed Esau. He didn't harbor any bitterness toward Jacob. Maybe there's somebody in your life that, that 
has harmed you. Maybe there's someone in, in your life that you need to forgive. Let me, let me encourage you, don't wait 20 or 30 or 40 years to do that. Chapter 34, we have a dark scene of Jacob's daughter Dinah being, being raped and then his sons taking revenge on those who perpetrated that act. And we, we have Jacob responding to his sons here. I don't, I don't want to cover all the, all the details of this, but just that, that there are dark things that happen in, in chapter 34. And at the end of chapter 34, Jacob simply says this, you have brought trouble on me, making me odious to the inhabitants of the land. Jacob realizes, is beginning to realize some of the, the consequences of his own actions. And now the consequences of his of his family's actions. Listen, we, we talk about the grace of God, and, and that is absolutely true. And we, we talk about being saved from the judgment of God. And, and, and the, the judgment of God is that we would be a, separated from him for all eternity in a place called hell. The, the grace of God is that he, he restores our relationship to him. We don't have to experience that, that judgment. We don't, we don't experience that separation. But, but if I could, through, through my years of, of youth ministry, and one of the things that I, I begged teenagers to understand is that when, when you become a believer, that doesn't remove all consequences of actions. We, we still live with, with consequences. And, and yes, there's, there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness, there's reconciliation, as we saw with, with Jacob and Esau, but, but there are consequences. When we deviate from the plan that God has for us, whether that's God's plan for marriage, whether that's God's plan for life, whether, whether that's you, you sensing a calling in, in your own life that maybe God's called you into ministry, maybe he's, maybe he's called you to walk across the street and simply share the gospel with, with your neighbor. Maybe he's calling you to himself this morning to lay down sins and to trust in Jesus. Resisting the call of God brings consequences. But oh church, understand this. First of all, as we've talked, it's, God will not abandon you. He never, isn't it interesting? He never removes his hand. Like, like he never looks at this family and goes, man, this is a mess. Like I've got to find somebody else here. No, these are the people through whom Jesus comes through the family of Judah. God works in the mess. He heals what's broken. He restores. He gives, the whole message of the gospel is that he gives hope where there is no hope. Peace where there should not be peace. Life where there was only death, according to Ephesians 2. That's why we do things like shoeboxes, like angel tree ministry. 
And it's why I'll stand here and beg and plead with you. Don't delay. Don't delay trusting in Christ. Maybe he's here this morning and, and, and you, you know that he's calling you to repent of sins and to trust in Jesus. Don't delay. Maybe God's placed some calling on your life that you are sure about and you're just fighting against it because you don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Don't delay. Take that step of faith. Trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Trust in God's plan for your life. Believing that just as he called Abraham out of, out of a land of pagans and said, I want you to pack up and go. And I'll show you where to go. That, that as you take steps of faith, the Lord will show you his plans in his time. What's stopping you from following Jesus today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for... This story of Jacob and this, this, this train wreck that is his life. The fact that we have some cautionary tales here for us that, that would show us ways that we are not to live. And yet in the midst of the chaos, we see you at work. I thank you that this story started with Abraham leaving a place that he knew, a place that was comfortable and trusting in the God who called him. May we do the same thing. Maybe we have questions that we don't quite have answers for yet. God, I pray we'd take this morning, someone would take a step of faith Say, I don't know how all this works. I don't have all the answers, but, but I trust. I'm trusting that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. I'm going to follow him. Whether that's for the first time, someone laying down their, their sins and turning from sin and trusting in Jesus Christ, or someone who's been a believer for 50, 60, 70 years saying, I want to follow Jesus' plan for my life beginning today. Will you move and you speak in these next few moments? We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.